بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا سیونٹینتھ آف اپریل ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی آن ٹو دا ٹوینٹی سکس ہولی منتھ آف رمضان And I've reached verse 36 of Surah Maidah. So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 37. So verse 36. Audhu billahi minash shaitan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. As to those who reject belief, if they had everything on the earth and twice over to give us ransom for the penalty of the day of judgment, it would never be accepted of them. Theirs would be a lasting penalty. So there's a report mentioned. So this is recorded in Ibn Mardawih and Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 452 of the New English Translation. Talq ibn Habib, rahmatullah he says, I was a person who most vehemently denied intercession. Until I met Sayyidina Jabr After I recited to him all the verses of the Quran I could recite that spoke of the people of Jahannam remaining there forever. He said, O Talq, do you think that you have more knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah than I? So stop in the report. So Talq ibn Habib He was affected and this is the belief of the Khawarij and they state that there is no intercession. So he initially had this understanding that there is no intercession. <coughs> so he met a companion called Jabr and he goes, I recited all the verses of the Quran mentioning that the people of hell will remain there forever. So Jabr his response, do you think you have more knowledge of the Quran and Sunnah than I? And this is always the problem. Every deviant thinks they know better than the Zahab. Then he explained, the verses you have recited to me refer to those who belong in Jahannam. They are the polytheists. However, those for whom intercession will take place are people, i.e. the believers who have sinned, who will be punished for their sins and then be removed from Jahannam. He then held both his ears and said, May these ears become deaf if I have not heard Rasulullah say وسلم, that they will leave Jahannam after having entered it, i.e. because of the intercession. O Talq, We also recite the Quran as you recite. So he basically told him and the, he repented. Talq ibn Habib rahmatullahi. He goes, the shafa of the Prophet is true. And he goes, I heard it direct from the Prophet If I'm telling a lie, may I become deaf. And then he goes, we also recite the Quran as you decide. Meaning the Quran is a proof for you or against you. So he was one who was affected. But there's another report. And this person is called Yazid Fakir. So this is recorded in Ibn Abi Hatim. 
Kanzal Omal, volume 2, page 54. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 452-4. The New English Translation. Yazid Fakir. He relates. I was once sitting with Jabir ibn Abdullah, and he was busy narrating hadith. When he narrated some people would leave Jahannam, I was furious. Because during those days, I was one who rejected such a belief. So look how interesting. The same Sahab. So he lived a long life, the, the great Jabr. So obviously he saw deterioration. And this person was so angry, he goes, was he saying that people are coming out? I therefore said, I am not as astonished with the common people making statements as I am astonished with you, the companions of the Messenger of Allah. You people believe that they will leave the fire of Jahannam when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he recited this verse, I verse 37, <coughs> they will try to escape from the fire, but they will not be able to escape. They will have a lasting punishment. So Yazid Fakir, he rebuked Jabr, and he goes, Layman, I understand their ignorance. He goes, but you're the companions of the Prophet. And he goes, what about this verse? Allah Ta'ala says they will try to escape. They won't be able to escape. They will have a permanent punishment. The report then says, his companion started rebuking me. But he was the most tolerant of them all. He goes, leave him alone. So look how interesting. The senior Tabi'in, they, they started rebuking that man. He goes, leave him. He then explained, that verse that you've recited refers to the unbelievers. He then said, what is the verse before it? So stop in the court. What mistake do the innovators make? They, con- they, they take things out of context. So the verse before it, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Inna kafaru Without doubt the unbelievers if they possessed all the wealth within the earth and as much more in addition to ransom themselves from the punishment of the day of Qiyamah, it will not be accepted from them. Then he said, Allah Ta'ala then said, they will try to escape. So because he's talking about the unbelievers. Then Jabal looked at him and said, do you recite the Quran? So Yazid Fakir said, certainly. He goes, I've also memorized it. I'm Hafiz. So Jabra then says, doesn't Allah the Almighty and Glorious say? And he recited Surah 17 verse 79. In a portion of the night of a tahajjad, an extra prayer, soon your Lord will give you maqami mahmood. The maqam Mahmud is the position of Shafa. Allah the Almighty will detain some people, the believers in the fire for a while because of their sins without speaking to them. Then when he wills, he will remove them from the fire. Yazid said, after this, I never repeated my mistake of denying this belief. I repented. So now what's interesting, the innovators quote Quran. So to this very day, people will quote the same verse, proving, or so they think, there's no shafa. The Quran goes, there's no escape from the fire. 
You're saying they come in out of the fire. So on the face of it, it sounds like a very strong evidence. But who's Allah talking about? He's talking about the unbelievers. He's not talking about the believers. Therefore, you've made a very serious mistake. So now, Maqam <coughs> Mahmud. Let's discuss this. So in Surah 17, verse 79. In fact, before mentioning that, to mention a few things about the Shafa of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, the report is in Ibn Asakir, the uh, Baghwi, Kanzal Omal, volume 7, page 271, Hayat al volume 4, page 448 of the New English Translation. The relevant part of the report, the Prophet wasalam, he said, An angel wasalam, came to me from my Lord, giving me a choice between intercession and having half of my ummah admitted into paradise. I chose intercession. Then in the same report, the Prophet said, My intercession shall be for those members of my ummah who did not commit shirk. So what did the Prophet say? In fact, this is confirmed in another hadith in Tirmidhi, where he said, I was given a choice. Now think about that. Look how beloved he is. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, half of your ummah without reckoning. So if it was a previous ummah, you're not talking great numbers. How many in this ummah? So Allah goes, half I will take, just for your sake, to paradise without uh, reckoning. Or you can intercede. He's Rahmatullahi He goes, I've chosen intercession. Then he explained who his intercessions is for, who's entitled to it. Like you go to benefits, so you're entitled <laughs> So how, who is entitled to this benefit? This is the ultimate benefit. The one who doesn't commit shirk. He goes, my intercession is for those who do not commit shirk. In another report, adding details, this is in Baghwi ibn Manda ibn Asakir, Kanzul Umal, Bukhari and Harith ibn Abi Osama report similar in Ali Isab, volume 2, page 411, Hayat al volume 4, page 449 of the New English Translation. And somebody, somebody asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, why don't you ask for the kingdom like Sulaiman Alaihi Wasallam? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam smiled until his blessed teeth could be seen. And he said, your companion Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam perhaps has been given something better from Allah the Almighty than the kingdom of Sulaiman Alaihi Wasallam. Then he explained, that it was the Shafa. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, I have kept it in store with my Lord and shall use it to intercede for my Ummah on the Day of Judgment. So what did the Prophet say? It's greater than the Kingdom of Suleiman. So somebody asked him, why don't you pray for that, Ya Rasul? You could be the king. Everything under your control because maybe I've got something better. What's better than the Kingdom? The Shafa. Because I'm, I'm saving it for my Ummah. Also, in another report, in Shirazi, in his Al-Qab, Ibn al-Najjar, Kanzul Umal, volume 7, page 272, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 450 of the New English Translation, the Prophet wasallam said, I am an excellent man for the sinners of my Ummah. 
But then he said in the same report, it will not be for the person who diminishes the rank of my companions. So now there's few things that stop the shafa'ah. First, he goes, I am most excellent for the sinners. If you diminish the rank of my sahaba, he goes, I'm not going to intercede for you. So this is something very serious in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, don't find fault with the sahaba. Don't speak ill or don't speak ignorantly about them. And also, Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu this hadith is in Ibn Mardawih, Kanzal Omal, volume 7, page 273, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 451 of the New English Translation. Hazrat Ali radiyallahu he relates that you people of Iraq, you put your hope in this verse. And he recited the famous verse, Surah 39, verse 53, where Allah Ta'ala says, I forgive all sins. He goes, don't despair of my mercy. But then, Hazrat Ali said, but we, the Ahlul Bayt, we believe that the verse of the Quran that kindles the most hope is this one. Surah 93, verse 5. Surely your Lord will give you what will please you. Then he explained, what Allah the Almighty will grant Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa shall be the privilege of intercession. So look how interesting. And it's true. If you hear the first verse, which one of us doesn't find so much comfort? Oh, my servants who have wronged their own souls, never lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Allah Ta'ala forgives all sins. Undoubtedly, He is the most forgiving, the most merciful. So the, Hazrat Ali said to the people of Iraq, that's what you think. Because we don't think that. We think there's another verse greater than it. Somebody goes, what's greater than that? And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promise his beloved? Your Lord will soon give you what will please you. What is that? As Ali goes, it's the shafa. <laughs> Meaning he's not going to let any of his ummatis down who we can save. And just to add, there's a direct report about this, which is worth mentioning. So the hadith is in Delami and Kanzul Omar. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said that Allah the Almighty did not reveal a verse more hopeful than this verse. Hence, I have saved it from my ummah on the day of judgment. So the Prophet himself said that because this is the most hopeful verse. So note, the shafa is what we put our reliance upon. So now the verse, Surah 17 verse 79, what does it mention there? So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He mentions وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةً لَكْ عَسَىٰ يَبْعَثَكَ رَبُّكَ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا And pray the tahajjad, an additional prayer. For soon your Lord will raise you to the maqam mahmud So what is the maqam mahmud in a hadith in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Behaki and others, the Prophet was asked about this verse. He said, it means the shafa. <coughs> Allah Ta'ala is going to give me the shafa. In a hadith, <coughs> in Abu Dawud At-Tayalasi, number 51, Ibn Katil's tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu said, Allah the Almighty will give permission for shafa. Ar-Ruh al-Quddus, Jibreel will stand up, alayhi salatu wasalam. He will intercede. So now what's interesting, 
Who's he interceding for Jibreel? But he will intercede. Then Ibrahim والسلام, the Khalil will stand up. Then Isa or Musa will stand up. And the narrator was not sure which one comes first. Then your Prophet will stand up and he will intercede and no one after him will intercede with, with as much as he does. This is the position of Maqam Mahmud which Allah Ta'ala refers to and he recited the passage. Surah 17 verse 79. So the Prophet is given the most exalted of the intercessions. So now, the intercession. So, first of all, in Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, in Fatt al-Bari, volume 2, page 95, he mentions that what is the maqam Mahmud? Because there's a few opinions. <coughs> Abu al-Faraj ibn al-Jawzi, he said, that most scholars are of the view that the maqam al-Mahmud is the intercession. And then he quotes the famous hadith. I'll just give you the reference. Sayyih Bukhari, Sayyih Muslim, Tidmadi Ibn Majah, Ahmad Nasai, Behaki in his Sunan, Behaki in his Shu'ab, Al-Iman Tabarani, Behaki in his Delayah. And it's the hadith where people turn to the Prophets for intercession and eventually they go to the Prophet He goes, this is what most of the scholars say, Maqam al-Mahmud is. The second, it means Rasulullah being allowed to sit on the Arsh. Rasulullah being allowed to sit on the Arsh. Third meaning. It means Rasulullah being allowed to sit on the Kursi. Rasulullah being allowed to sit on the Kursi. Fourth. Being allowed to both sit on the Kursi and the Arsh. And the Shafa, all of this is one. Five. It refers to praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the Shafa. So before Rasulullah does his amazing intercession, he praises Allah Ta'ala. Because that's a meaning as well. Because the hadith testify to this. In Ibn Hiban in his Sahih, volume 14, page 399, the Prophet he said, People will be raised on the day of judgment, whilst my ummah and I will be on, on an elevated plane, and my Lord will clothe me in a green hulla, I two green sheets. I will then say whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills me to say, and that is the maqam on Mahmud. So what did the Prophet explicitly say? That he will be honored by wearing two green garments, more superior garments on the day of judgment. And he goes, I will say whatever my Lord inspires me to say, that is the maqam al-Mahmud, meaning is some zikr he's doing. And a sixth meaning is, it refers to the entire episode of being clothed in the hullah, praising our Lord in a matter that befits him and the intercession. All of this is incorporated. So this is all with regards to the maqam al-Mahmud. So now, if it's the intercession, what is that? So it's very important to highlight that the intercession is not one. There's many intercessions of Rasulullah. So the first, the first intercession of Rasulullah 
is that he begs Allah the Almighty and Glorious to start the account. Because Allah Ta'ala is just making the entire jinn and human stand. And they're dying in their sweat. Nothing is happening. So Rasulullah prostrates to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. He begs Allah Ta'ala to start the day of judgment. And he starts. That's the first intercession. Another intercession is that he then asks humbly to forgive without reckoning. So some fortunate souls, because of the shafa, Allah says they are forgiven without reckoning. A third intercession of our beloved Messenger is that he intercedes for those who failed. So the sins are heavier. So Rasulullah begs Allah to forgive and he, he allows the intercession. The other intercession is that people will now be punished in the fire. And Rasulullah still begs for intercession. Allah takes them out of the fire due to his intercession. There's others the scholars have differed over. One is, does he benefit the unbelievers? And some scholars say, yes, he does. Because Abu Talib goes to the lightest of the fire. If it wasn't for me, the Prophet said he would be in the lowest fire. So he helps his uncle. Another one is raising the ranks in paradise. Rasulullah intercedes so the lower ranks can go higher up. So why is that important to highlight? Because if you don't know that, you will make another serious blunder. You will say he only intercedes once. But the reports don't talk about one intercession. So the maqam in Mahmood means he's interceding again and again. But what's shocking is, despite all of his, his intercessions, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there are still so many people in hell. But then Allah Ta'ala himself finally says, all have interceded. Now the most merciful of those who show mercy will intercede. And then he takes out everybody who has anything of Iman within the fire. Because these are the ones who have been forgiven by no other than Almighty Allah. So the only people left are the unbelievers in the fire. So all of this is the maqam in Mahmud, which the Prophet was graciously given, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And all of this helps to explain this passage. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they would give everything in the world and more to ransom them, this is talking about the unbelievers. It's not talking about the, the believers. The intercession is clearly proven from the various reports. So also there's a hadith. In Sayyid Muslim, Nasai and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu alayhi wa a man from the fire will be brought forth and will be asked, O son of Adam, والسلام, how did you find your dwelling? He will say, the worst dwelling. He will then be told, would you now ransom yourself with the earth full of gold? He will say, yes, O my Lord. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then say to him, you are a liar. I ask you for what was far less and you didn't even do this. He will then be ordered back into the fire. So who is Allah talking to? He's talking to an unbeliever. And look what he wants to give now, the whole world full of gold. Allah goes, you're lying. Because I already asked you not to commit shirk. You couldn't even do that. So Allah is mentioning that also in a hadith you could see, though the Quran is sufficient. Verse 37. Their wish will be to get out of the fire, but never will they get out therefrom. 
their penalty will be one that endures. Like I mentioned, this is what confuses people. That verse by itself indicates nobody comes out of the fire. But it's talking about unbelievers. So this is what I'm saying, the importance of commentary. So now there's another very important point. So Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi in his Iqtida as-Sirat al-Mustaqim 1-97 he comments upon, upon the end of this verse. He says, Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ مُقِيمٌ Theirs will be a lasting torment. He explained, This refers to the suffering that stays with the unbeliever in this world and in the hereafter. Stop in the court. Ibn Taymiyyah is saying that the verse isn't just talking about hell. They're going to get punished in the world. He then explains, of psychological torment, distress, grief, hard-heartedness, spiritual darkness, ignorance, disbelief and sin lead to pain and suffering, both immediate and lasting, the extent of which is only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hence, you will find that most of these people do not feel any sense of joy in life, except by means of that which takes away reason and distracts the heart, by consuming intoxicants, watching entertaining spectacles, listening to music, and the like. Subhanallah. So what did the great Ibn Taymiyyah say? Rahmatullahi. He goes, Allah says, there will be a lasting punishment. It starts in the world. And isn't it true? They only get joy by something which takes away their reason. They got to go bungee jumping, right? It was Allah about Sheikh Hamza, Hafizullah, he goes, they, they, get, they feel alive for the moment when their head's about to smash onto the lock because they're dead. The Prophet said the difference between those who remember their Lord and those who don't is like the difference between the dead and the living or the living and the dead. They're dead people. They only feel alive when they take intoxicants. That's why they're so heavily into their drink. Watching stupid things, box sets, put it on, let's rock them out. Like spectacles, listening to music. Also, why are they listening? Because they're, they're dead lives. So Allah is saying, Mukim, a lasting torment. And what's interesting? There's verses. In Surah Taha, Surah 20, verse 124. Surah 20, verse 124. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He says something very interesting. وَمَنْ عَأَرْضَ أَمْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةٍ دَنْقًا Whoever turns away from my remembrance, for him is مَعِيشَةٌ دَنْقًا What is this? A life which is constrained. The hadith is in Ibn sorry, Tafsir Mazhari and Marifu Quran, volume 6, page 165. Sa'id ibn Jubair, rahmatullahi, he said, he recited this portion of the verse. Ma'ishatan danka, a life narrowed down, he explained. These people will be deprived of the gift of contentment, which will result in an overpowering greed for worldly goods. Look at how amazing. The Quran's giving you all the answers. So what's the proof? That they're not content. Something happens to them. They start wanting to acquire. Why are you trying to acquire? Because dead lives. Dead lives. 
So Allah Ta'ala goes, they'll live a very constrained life. They haven't been given it. Allah Ta'ala is telling you that. So Ibn Taymiyyah was actually not quoting the passage, but he's explaining something about these people. But this isn't talking exclusively about the unbelievers. This verse is also possibly talking about the believers. So when people say, why are people obsessed with in the overpowering, overpowering grief for worldly goods? Because they got ma'ishat and danka. They've got a constrained life. Why? Because they haven't got contentment. They're not remembering whoever turns away from my dhikr. They will have this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. And also, there is a famous hadith. So the narration mentions. So this hadith is recorded in Hakim in his Mustadrak 4-324 Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Abu Na'im Al-Hiliya 3-253, Targhib 2-239, and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states Hassan in As-Sahih number 831. Our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, O son of Adam, Alayhi Salatu Wasallam, live as you want, you will certainly die. Love who you want, you will certainly leave it. The hadith continues. So what profound statements did our beloved messenger make? He goes, live how you want, you will die. So Allah Ta'ala is highlighting here that he doesn't get involved. You've got free will. And this is why there's so much havoc on the earth. People start blaming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not, you're blaming the wrong the blame is towards the human beings because of their free will. Allah Ta'ala has given them ability to carnage. But Allah Ta'ala goes, live, who you, live how you will, you will die. Meaning you're all going to die. That's the common denominator. Love what you will, you will certainly leave it. Love what you will, you will certainly leave it. So what does that mean? If you haven't got the eternal value of deeds, you're going to leave everything. Everything's lost. And also, there's another passage in Surah 14, verse 31. So in Surah Ibrahim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions there. Sorry, verse 27. Surah 14, verse 27. So the hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1369, Sayyid Muslim, number 2871, Nasai Abu Dawud Tirmidhi, and others. Bara ibn Azib relates that the Prophet said, When a Muslim is questioned in his grave, he will testify, La ilaha illallah. This is the meaning, and then the Prophet recited this portion of the verse, of verse Surah 14, verse 27. يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقُولِ الثَّابَتِ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will establish in strength those who believe with the word that stands firm in this world and in the hereafter. So what does Allah Ta'ala say in the Quran? He will give you strength, He will help you, He will keep you firm if you recite this word both in this world and in the hereafter. And what is the word? The shahada. So Allah Ta'ala is promising that He will look after you in this world and the next if you remain firm, the Quran says. So note all over the Quran, Allah Ta'ala is highlighting this. 
If you turn away from my remembrance, you've caused untold harm towards yourself. And you see people, no matter how much they acquired of the world, are they ever content? Allah Ta'ala refuses that. Right? Think about that. Isn't that a glaring sign to one and all? He's got everything. He's got all the wealth, all the women, all the drugs. He's still miserable. Somebody goes, what's happened? There you go. Allah Ta'ala refuses. And yet you get a Muslim who hasn't got anything to his name. Content. Allah Ta'ala looks after that individual. He's got something that the person who's trying to strive and he's not getting it. And this is why, what, what does it mention in the hadith to finish? The Prophet said, contentment is a wealth that can never be consumed. Imam Suyuti in his Jami as Sahir, contentment is a wealth that can never be consumed. So this is what we should strive towards and we ask Allah to give us this by His great kindness and mercy. So I'll recite the verses and we will conclude. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ أَنَّ لَهُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعٌ وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ لِيَفْتَدُوا بِهِ مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَا تُقُبِّلَ مِنْهُمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ يُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يَخْرُجُوا مِنَ النَّارِ وَمَا هُمْ بِخَارِجِينَ مِنْهَا وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ مُقِيمٌ we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts. We pray to Almighty Allah that He can give us any errors. Subhanallah, <laughs> <laughs>